Money Pit is brought to you by Concrobium. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are doing a very special show for you today. We're coming to you from the site of the latest This Old House renovation in the Boston neighborhood of Charlestown. Now, that's just on the other side of the historic Bunker Hill where one of the most famous Revolutionary War battles took place. Some history being made for this old house as well, who are celebrating their 35th season. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I would venture to say that this was the first home makeover show, which really paved the way for thousands of hours of television shows about fixing up houses. You know, maybe I've worked on some of them. (laughs) That's right. And millions of Americans who feel like they know these guys, Norm, Richard, Roger, Tom, and most recently, Kevin, they help breathe new life into old houses. And Leslie and I have had the remarkable pleasure of being part of some of the most memorable makeovers from a brownstone in Brooklyn to three houses rebuilt after Superstorm Sandy ravaged the Jersey Shore. And one of the newest members of the This Old House joins us now, and I say that because Kevin O'Connor has only been hosting the show for, what, 12 years? Only uh, 12 years. Blacker. <laughs> Still the new guy. Kevin, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't know the story. You were a fan before you were a host. I was a huge fan. I yeah. grew up, as so many people did, I grew up watching the show with my dad and my me brothers, too. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and even when I got to college, I was the guy that my roommates always had to wrestle the remote out of their hand because they wanted to watch a basketball game and I wanted to watch this old house. <laughs> uh, and it was my good fortune that when I bought my first house with my wife and we set about our renovation, we quickly realized we should get some help from the pros, and we wrote a letter to the magazine um, hoping to get an answer. And right. Instead, we got a house call. Tom wow. Sutter showed up with a camera, filmed the segment, and remarkably, That's awesome. yeah, remarkably, they offered me the job like two or three <laughs> months later. I still, it's still a little hard to believe. Now, through all those years that this show's been been on the air, thirty five years in the last twelve. Uh, with you as the host. What are some of your most memorable moments? Oh, there's there's just been absolutely no end. I mean, I I think my greatest pleasure um, from this job is working with these guys. It seems like you guys have such an amazing camaraderie. It's like a brotherhood. You're picking on each other. You're making each other laugh. It's always joyful. It's never like, oh, work is terrible. No. If you've ever been on a job site, you guys have been on job sites a lot, but for anyone who's ever been on a job site, that's kind of the talk. But you're always ripping the guy, right? You're always trying to get one up on the other guy and hide his tools, whatever. That goes on quite a bit um my good fortune is that they've been together as a band basically for 20 plus years when i yeah. showed up and to their credit they just opened me with welcome arms maybe part of the family uh, and it's been a real trip so that has been my greatest joy i learned from them um i have you know the utmost respect from them and even after more than a decade i kind of look up to them as sort of my idols now, you've done a lot of row houses over the years. I think there were three different row house projects. You did a Brooklyn Brownstone. We were there with you uh, for that one. You did a house in Washington, D.C., yeah. and this now is your third Correct. row house. What's special about working on the row house? Well, it's a very, I would say it's a very American form, mm-hmm. you know, for us. When you were in Brooklyn and you realized that that entire city was built row house after row house, and so many people can trace the roots back to coming to Ellis Island and then going through Brooklyn and then spreading out from there. It's a, it's a very um, accessible form. It's a very compact form. And I think a lot of people in this country, if they looked back, would find out that at some point, you know, their family members might have grown up 
in one of these row houses. Right. Incredibly efficient, um, you know, for these inner city places. And for us, they're iconic looking. Um, they're a challenge because they're often attached to another house on mm-hmm. the left and the well, it's right. It's such a community presence. You know, you really feel like you're part of something. And that's what this old house is. It's part of something. So it just is suiting for you guys. You, you, you physically share space with your neighbors. Right. I mean, you have common yes. walls. <laughs> if you go through your wall, you're into the new neighbor's yeah. living mm-hmm. room. So there's something special about that. Um, and they're, they're a real treat to work on. Well, and I mean, this one is just fantastic. What you guys have achieved here at this brownstone is just beautiful and open and welcoming. And I know some of you are saying small. I think it's fantastic. Well, the one thing that um, runs throughout the three that we worked on, Brooklyn, um, D.C., and Charlestown, is that they were all pretty bad off. (laughs) They were dilapidated. The one in D.C. was uninhabited. Uh, it had a fire. There was no one living there. They actually had uh, repossessed the home. The one in Brooklyn was really run down, and we had to sort of tear that one apart. And this one, you know, was in decent shape, but it had pretty much gone as far as it could go um, on its old life. Mm-hmm. And it was our job to kind of give it new life. They're timeless buildings. This one will go easily for another 100 years. Amazing. Kevin O'Connor, the host of This Old House, thank you so much for 35 seasons of great home improvement television. Well, he's only done 12. Yeah. Don't well, we'll just, thanks for 12, Kev. <laughs> well, then a, then a half, you're welcome, and, and thank you for having us back. <laughs> well, when you live in an old house, you often have to deal with old technology, but not when you live in a this old house, because you've got guys like Greg Smizer on your team. Greg is a systems integrator and installed a really fascinating music system here that enables you to hear what you want, when you want, pretty much anywhere in your house, and you can do all that wirelessly. Welcome, Greg. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. So when you work with old homes like this, I guess people are probably surprised with how much technology you can bring in. Yes. We actually are on the cutting edge. I love technology. When I got into this business, it was because of technology, and I love to try the latest technologies in houses, but usually I try to first install it in my own home right. to make sure it's make something sure it I want to use and <laughs> it's always good. Uh, integrate it and it works well and the tech support's good on the other end. Yeah. And then if I'm happy with it, then I integrate it into my business. All right. So let's talk first about the music system because I think it's really cool. It's wireless. Yes. It's called Sonos? Sonos, yes. Sonos is a company uh, in the United States, manufactured here, and it's an integrated system that can be installed throughout the house, both wired and wireless. So are there bases that you could say then hook up your iPhone to or something to do that? Or would you then hook up wirelessly through your iPhone? You hook up wirelessly through your technology. So you can use smartphones. Mm -hmm. You can use touchpads like, uh, say, uh, um, uh, iPad or something like that. Um, And also your laptops to connect to the music. So literally you're sitting home in your easy chair. You can open up your iPhone and dial up any music you want to get and probably pipe it exactly where you want in the house. Exactly. So we do it by zones, individual rooms. So in this house we have four hardwired rooms where we actually had the luxury of new construction. We were able to, with the walls open, run the wires to the speakers and the ceilings, and those rooms are hardwired, as well as we have two wireless speakers that she can move around the house anywhere she wants to go and use those. That's great. So those are essentially just plug-in speakers? Exactly. Just plug in. They grab the network. As soon as you plug them in, they they find the network in the house, and they work. To make the system work, you need to have internet, though, in the house. That's how the system works. It's based on connecting to the internet, and then all the products kind of talk to themselves as repeaters, and then that technology 
is is your base your base to start to connect to all the other music services in the world. You have a streaming service, you have your iTunes account, all of that comes together. Oh, so it really is not supplying the music. It's basically giving you the bridge, and you could connect mm-hmm. to what Pandora or exactly. iTunes or whatever you have. Exactly. Very cool. So now you mentioned there were four zones. So if say if she had a friend staying over in the guest room, could the friend listen to their own music device? Yes. Angela could listen up here to her own as exactly. well. Exactly. Two ways they can listen. She could listen to on her own iPhone. She has to just load the free app from the from the store onto her phone that she could play the music as long as she's connected to Angela's Wi-Fi network in the house. Or she could take her iPhone or she have a song on her iPhone and say, I really like the song, Angela. I want to hear my song. And she could say, play from this iPhone. She can play directly from the iPhone to the technology. That's fantastic. Wow. Cool. And I think it's interesting because a lot of people, you know, this is a prime example of you had a part that was new construction that you could work in one method and you have the part that was a home that wasn't really being opened exactly. up. So you're really opening up the technology to pretty much any and every homeowner in every type of situation. Exactly. The story I like to tell is uh, we did a job about a year ago for an old mason who had built an addition on his home where he wanted to do a home theater in this addition. Well, it was cathedral ceiling, so we had nobody to get wires in the ceiling. It was a slab tile floor, nobody to get wires in the floor, but he had a gorgeous fireplace that he hand built and he had the TV mounted on the wall. He said, I want to do surround music system in this room. So we used a wireless sound bar below the TV. We used two wireless speakers on the left and right rear channels and we used a wireless sub underneath the couch and it was all done in a matter of two hours. Wow. Now, very, very cool. Greg, I think it's interesting. You were actually part of one of the first This Old Houses here in Charlestown 14 years ago. Right. Not one of the first, but 14 years ago, the, the project they did in Charlestown first was right here up the street here. And uh, we were, that was our first project with Tom Silva's gang. And now here again, back in Charlestown again. Now, what wow. kind of technology were you introducing 14 years ago? That's a great question. We had a watch that we called the Dick Tracy watch. Through the watch, the homeowner was able to arm and disarm their alarm system. Yeah. Oh, that's that. awesome. Yeah. You probably so. can do that now through the new Apple Watch, right? True. Yeah. Exactly. Greg Smizer, a systems integrator. Thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Sure. Thank you very much, Tom. All right. Still to come, old homes may have charm, but that often comes along with some antiquated and unsafe materials like asbestos, lead paint, or really old and brittle electric wiring. Ah, uh, but if you're this old house general contractor, Tom Silva, it's all in a day's work. Tom joins us next with tips on how to stay safe in your own construction projects as well as his reflections on over 28 years with this old house. It's all coming up after this. You live in a body pit. This is the Muddy Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MuddyPit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are on location today in Charlestown, Massachusetts with the team of This Old House. Now, we're at the latest This Old House renovation, and it is the 35th season for this iconic PBS program. We're thrilled to be here helping celebrate both the history of the program and the homes they've brought to life. Well, the 35th anniversary season has just started airing on PBS, and we're here as they film the final episode, giving you a sneak peek of what's to come. Now, as This Old House fans are well aware, this program never takes the easy way to a great renovation. You know, while there's dozens and dozens of so-called home improvement shows on the air where the big reveal shows little more than a fresh coat of paint and a few furnishings, this is the show that tackles seemingly insurmountable projects time and time again with amazing results. And one of the big reasons for that is general contractor Tom Silva, a guy who never runs away from a challenge. Welcome, Tommy. 
Thanks, Tom. Nice to be here. And they keep throwing them at you, don't they? <laughs> oh, they do. I just keep going out for that catch. Yeah, you sure do. And, and this was, was nothing different about this project, a Greek revival built in 1850. One of the first things you worked on were some bowing walls. That's something that strikes fear in the heart of homeowners. Well, yeah, when you have a three-story building and the front wall and the back wall are actually bowed out so bad that they could fall, Yeah, it's something to be concerned yeah, about. Yeah, I would think so. Right? <laughs> Was the homeowner aware that it had no. deteriorated so badly? No, but if you actually look to the left and to the right, to the neighbors, right. you'll actually see the bowing of the walls. And uh, they're pretty bad. So I actually had to clamp the wall and pull it back into place. The way they built these buildings, there was no connection between the floors and the outside walls. Mm -hmm. So they were all supported by the roof and freestanding. So when you get a snow load on a roof, the rafter bows down, pushes the wall out. Out, yeah. And it comes back and out over the time. Eventually it splits the, the brick that it's married and connected to each of the sidewalls. Now, I noticed that there were steel rods that seemed to connect this home from front to back. Yeah, they did that not when they originally built it, but they did that as a renovation probably 50 or 100 years later huh. because they realized there were issues that they had to be uh, stopping this from happening. And it could control it a little bit, but uh, there's still there wasn't enough of them. So essentially, they've been trying to control these, this bow for 100 years, and do you think we've got it this time? I think it did it this time because these walls weren't studded. They were right. only, uh, there was only a strap and nail to it with cut nails, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then it was lath and plaster on top of that. Well, you had to rip that all out, put two-by-four walls inbound, and then I put um, uh, lath, I mean uh, steel rods, through the two-by-four wall into the lentils and over the windows and into the window sills and I was able to pull the whole wall back into place. Now another area of the house where you had a challenge you had to deal with was the basement. Like most older homes it wasn't very tall. You actually had to lower that floor. Yeah the floor was actually pitched quite a bit. It was higher on the right side when you come in from the street uh, with very little ceiling height. So we actually dug down we actually had to dig a trench, first of all, because we wanted to change the uh, sewer line that went across the ceiling and put it under the ground. And when we did that, we realized that there's very little digging left. We might as well just dig it down enough to make the basement floor level right. mm -hmm. and give them enough ceiling height so that it could become legal if she ever wanted to put a bedroom or an office or some type of room down there. We had to have a certain ceiling height. So we dug it down, put radiant heat in there, new plumbing underground, and uh, then we put a special epoxy over the floor and gave them a finished floor. Yeah, and, and it think, looks terrific now. Yeah, and I think what's so interesting is when you come from the street level, you see that cute little half door, which is your entrance to the yeah. basement. And then when you enter the home on what is, I guess, the first floor, mm -hmm. there's apparently no entrance to the basement. I mean, it's like right. almost sneaky. Yeah, well, I hit a door. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we put a paneled wall, and then that wall, I, pushed a, I put a two-way door. So you push the door. It's like a bar door. It swings on a mm -hmm. hinge and locks into center position. And so if she wants to, someone wants to go down there and carry laundry or carry something in the hand, they just push on the door, walk by it, it closes, come up the door, come up the stairs, push on the door, and it opens the other way. It's beautiful. Yeah. So they just will hang a picture on the wall, and you'll never know. We're talking to Tom Silva. He's the general contractor on TV's This Old House. And, Tom, this is a 
special season for you guys, the 35th season. And wow. you've been here for 28 of those, as I understand. 28, 29, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you ever imagine you'd still be sitting here working on these projects uh, almost no, 30 years later? I remember years ago, in, in 75, I built the first television show. The uh, set for the first television show was the Crockett's Victory Garden show. Yeah. And when we built that, they asked us if we'd be interested to do a television show on houses. And at the time, my dad goes, oh, I don't know. My dad was the type of just get to work, keep yeah, the mouth shut and right. work. And keep working. About three years after that, we got a call saying that they thought of a show and they're going to do it and wanted us to do it. And my dad says, well, I'm kind of busy. I can't do it. So we turned <laughs> him down the first year and the second year and the third year. <laughs> and uh, Russ kept calling. And then uh, he, he called me in a way that he said, I want to. I really want you to try it. So I he said, went around your dad. Yeah. Yeah. He went around and got right to me. And, it, I, and he said, I really would like you to do this show. I need your help. I need your help. And I said, well, all right. I said, I'll try it for a year. And if I like it, I'll continue on. And so here we are 28 years I'm later. I'm still in that year. <laughs> You're still in that yeah. first yeah. year. Yeah. Tom Silva, uh, I said this to Norm, and I'll say it to you. One of the reasons I think the show has, has survived all these years is because America trusts you. And trust your oh. advice and trust your expertise. Thank you so much for bringing 35 years of great television well, to you. us and, 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 and really teaching us along the way. Well, it's, it's fun. It's been a lot of work, but it's fun. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Now, whether you have an old house or a newer one, getting rid of mold is no easy task. So preventing it is your best bet. There are five places in your home where mold is most likely to lay down roots, and we've got tips for keeping those hot spots free of unwanted growth presented by Concrobia Mold Control. Now, moisture and porous surfaces make bathrooms the most popular mold hangout. So keeping drywall, grout, and caulk mold-free boils down to one thing, proper ventilation. You want to make sure that you install and run a bath fan to reduce humidity in that space. Now, consider a dehumidifier for every 1,000 square feet in your home. Wood is another mold food source. It's porous and highly susceptible to moisture, and that leads to mold. So consider treating the exposed wood surfaces with a mold cleaner. Now, mold also likes to take a hold on fabric. So to keep it from overtaking your wardrobe, make sure that your clothes are completely dry before you put them away in closets and drawers. Next, head outside and wipe any standing water from another mold magnet, outdoor plastic. Keeping your outdoor furniture and children's toys free of dew and rainwater helps to control a mold breeding environment. Finally, keep your home's exterior mold free by patching any damaged mortar joints before scrubbing or pressure washing brick and mortar. This is going to prevent water from getting into and behind the walls. Just be sure to let fresh mortar dry for at least a week before you pressure wash. These tips are presented by Concrobium Mold Control. Fight mold like a pro and without harsh chemicals. To learn more, visit CureMyMold.com. All right, still ahead. While I love to see the guts of a home brought up to the current standards, my favorite part of a This Old House makeover is the finishes and the fabrics that really show the personality of both the homeowner and the house. The team's interior designer on the Charlestown Project joins us next with tips on what you can do to bring that same style and charm into your old home when the Money Pit continues after this.
the money that is brought to you by Lutron's new Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. Never ask, who left the lights on again? Starting at around $20, this motion-sensing light switch turns the lights on automatically when you walk into a room and off when you leave and works with all types of light bulbs. Learn more at LutronSensors.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. We are in Charlestown, Massachusetts today, where the entire This Old House team is getting ready to wrap up another successful renovation in this, their 35th season. Now you can watch the transformation on your local PBS station. Just check your local listings. Yeah, but today you are getting a behind-the-scenes look at the project in one of Boston's oldest neighborhoods, Charlestown. And you know, one thing about this team... They are so great to work with that many pros come back again and again, like our next guest, interior designer Kathy Marshall. Welcome to the program, Kathy. Hi, thanks for having me. This is your fifth go around with the team? My fifth project. Wow. They must like you. It's it's been an unbelievable experience. Mm -hmm. My first project that I started was the 25th anniversary in Carlisle. So it's been 10 years so you but, got the milestone years. They must really like you. I know. It's just the cool. It was just, uh, just it's been an incredible experience, really, honestly. I mean, from uh, starting out really hired as a kitchen designer and working with bathrooms. And um, I went on to East Boston, which was an interesting project where it was a two family. I had, um, and I did a lot of the interior, not the interiors, but space planning mm-hmm. on that, on that project. And then after that, I moved over to, I did the Bedford House project, uh, Cambridge, and then Charlestown. So it's, it really is a big family. And mm-hmm. I think when you work on different projects outside of this old house, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll work on and I'll work with the team and then, then it ends. Right. But with, with this group, it's, it's family. Now let's talk about this house. What was challenging about this house, built in 1850, Greek Revival, and you had a homeowner that had a, a, a very healthy palette of tastes. I mean, there's a lot in this house in terms of the designs. Every room is unique. Every room is very special, but every room is different. Right. And my big challenge was is to make it all make sense. So it needed to be really balanced. And, um, you know, I have a, I love antiques. So we, Angela and I really shared that. So making sure that the kitchen was warm and inviting and flowed, the colors and really, you know, she originally thought that she was going to get rid of a lot of her furniture, but repurposing it, putting it in different rooms really makes a huge difference. Well, and I think your background as a kitchen designer and spatial planning really helped you with this project because it's a small space and you have so many interesting built-ins and interesting cabinetry that are beautifully designed, well-crafted, and they really solved a problem, I'm guessing. Thank you. Yeah, it. it I, I'm finding that it's been this great evolution, honestly, from being really classically trained for being, and I also think the advantage of working with Tommy's teams, because when, you, when you're a kitchen designer, you have to work with um, the blueprint originally with Sally DeGan, mm-hmm. so architecturally. So I had this really intimate de- you know, knowledge of what was, how the space was going to work. So I think that's an advantage for me because I have that background to be, to be, um, you know, to take the interiors to another level. Kathy, for folks that are not familiar with what an interior designer does, um, can you kind of give us sort of an overview of, of where you fit in the project and the scheme of things? 
Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. I mean, as far as just the details that you have to choose the um, the door hardware, the all um, the hardware hinges, um, paint color. It's really not about propping pillows and buying furniture. It's about um, working together with the homeowner, understanding where she wants to go, her visions, um, incorporating it. It's not. It's not my trophy house. It's her home. So I need to make sure that I get that balance and to be able to, um, you know, basically interpret what her visions with the background that I have. So many people struggle with that. You know, we see them in the paint aisles looking at the paint chips and the color charts and trying to think, well, Mm -hmm. you know, will this color go with that color and which hardware shall I choose, you know, from aisle 12 and trying to really pull it all together. That's overwhelming for so many people. Oh, definitely. I mean, sometimes, you know, I, I mean, I I won't lie to you with the red room. I mean, seriously, I knew it was going to be good in my head, but I was thinking, oh, I'm either going to be a hero or zero. I think it's important as your role as a designer here is to help the homeowner take a risk mm-hmm. and your red living room down on the second floor is a risk. Definitely. I mean, everything is the same color, same sheen, walls, trim, ceiling. Definitely. And it's a knockout. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. That's great. I mean, I am glad you liked it. I mean, it, it, but if you notice, if you start seeing, you want to have a little bit of, of a tiny little thread flowing through each room, um, the teals, the aquas, and then it just, it's, it should tell us a story. You know, Kathy, what I think is so interesting, and it, it's something that I, as a designer, have not touched on, and I love what you did here, where some of the rooms... Everything is the same color, like the red room, like this dressing room we're in, your trim, your ceilings, your wall color, all the same tone. And it really allows the furnishings and the pops of color that you bring in to really be the star. And it, it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. I, Angela, you know, has a lot of interesting pieces. So, you know, those bizarre tears up here are just, you know, I want, they're lovely. So they, those objects should just be that object. And I do think it does make it feel serene. It's beautiful mm-hmm. work. Kathy Marshall, the interior designer for this old house. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Thank you so much. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show coming to you from Charlestown, Massachusetts, where the team from this old house is putting the finishing touches on the latest project in their 35th anniversary season. The inside of the house is not the only thing that gets a makeover. Up next, we're going to talk to Norm Abram about the major considerations given to the home's exterior and how to take care of your old house next. You live in a Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where home solutions live. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are broadcasting today from the site of the latest This Old House renovation. We are in historic Charlestown neighborhood in Boston, and we're helping celebrate their 35th anniversary season. And we want to wish the team here many, many more. That's right. The current project involves restoring and reviving an 1850 Greek Revival row house. Now, our owner has lived with some of the issues for 10 years and was finally ready to bring the house into the 21st century. And of course, with the help of the This Old House team. Well, old houses have a ton of charm and character, but what old houses don't have is a lot of insulation. (laughs) That's something our next guest knows a lot about. Tony Trigler is an insulation contractor who's worked 
on many of the sold house projects. And he joins us now with tips to help keep your old house warm as well. Hey, Tony. Hi, how are you doing? So you've worked on over 10 of this old house projects across these 35 years that these guys have been doing this. Uh, yes, at least 10. I believe it's even more. But <laughs> yeah, is that right? Yeah. When old homes were first constructed, insulation wasn't, a, wasn't really a concern, was it? No, not really. Um, the cost of energy obviously wasn't, wasn't very high. Right. And um, the way they constructed the homes, it was so leaky in the first place that it really didn't matter. So if you have an old house and you know you don't have enough insulation, you're trying to decide where you should put your money, what, in what order should you really try to uh, make the home better insulated? you start in the attic always? Yes. The attic is, is the most critical. It's like when you're putting on a hat in the wintertime, mm-hmm. it keeps you warm. Um, then, obviously, you want to go to the sidewalls. Um, but before the sidewalls, you should even consider the windows beforehand. Okay. But after the windows, try to insulate the sidewalls. And then maybe the basement area, if it's possible. Now, you, can't, you can get to the attic, generally speaking, but you can't really get to the side walls. What about the box beam, that area underneath the walls across the outside perimeter of the floor from the basement? And what I recommend there is use spray foam yeah. and seal it off. You know, fiberglass used to be the, the product that went there, but fiberglass, you can't really secure it properly on the yep. rim joist. So you spray it and seal it off, give it a nice air seal. Now, this old house that we're in right now was no exception. This needed a lot of insulation work. What did you tackle here? Well, basically here we did the, the entire shell. We used spray foam in the, in the roof. We used a combination of spray foam and blown cellulose on the exterior walls. And we also used spray foam in the basement. And we also did some soundproofing between floors with a combination of thermofiber, cellulose, and spray foam. Interesting. So it's not just one type of insulation. You really pick the right product for each and every area of the house. Tony Trickler, thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Thank you. Well, for 35 straight seasons, our next guest has delighted viewers with his skills as a master carpenter, crafting both beautiful homes and beautiful furnishings to fill them since the very first episode of This Old House, as well as the new Yankee Workshop. We're very pleased to welcome Norm Abram to the program. Hey, Norm. Hey, Tom and Leslie. It's great to be here. Welcome to Charlestown. It's nice to have an American icon on the broadcast (laughs) desk. Now, one of the challenges you tackled with this house was an understructured roof. Pretty common to old homes. Yeah, it is, especially in these old homes. And when you try to modernize them and make them a little bit more spacious, you have to deal with the the structure that is not uh, sufficient enough. And in this case, the house had been altered earlier by a dormer being installed on the backside, and they actually tried to stiffen up the beam, but they didn't put enough into it. So we had to add a couple LVLs to it before we move forward with the work we wanted to do on the front. And the trick here is we're in a row house where butted up against the neighbors, there's only about two bricks on each side of us that we can work on. How do you get a fixed beam in there and get enough bearing? (laughs) Well, if you take a brick out on each side, you gain about eight inches. 
So you only need about two inches or so of bearing when that beam is installed. So you cut it long enough so that you can slip it in one side and then pull it back and set it down on those brick pockets. You didn't then, use the beam stretcher for that, huh? No, no. We don't, well, it's a little hard to stretch those LVLs, you know. Well, and I imagine you have to be careful because you're sharing a wall with your neighbor. Oh, sure. You have to make sure for fire issues, I imagine. Well, yes, and you have to cut that beam at an angle. So the top of the beam should be basically flush with the wall, the inside face of the wall, and it angles back to where it's sitting on that pocket. That's reason for that is that if there ever was a fire and that beam were to burn, it can fall out without pulling the wall down, which could cause the fire to go into your neighbor. Makes sense. Right. Now, once we had that structure done, we were able to raise the roof of the front of the house because the room was almost useless because of the way the pitch of the roof came down. And uh, now Angela has a wonderful room here. And uh, one other structural thing we did is we added uh, footings in the basement that were adequate to support all the load points in the building. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Our coverage of the wrap of season 35 on this old house continues. Up next, while Norm Abram has successfully tackled many projects in his 35 years on this old house, there's one that he's yet to accomplish. We'll tell you what that is next. The Money Pit is brought to you by Lutron's new Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. Never ask, who left the lights on again? Starting at around $20, this motion sensing light switch turns the lights on automatically when you walk into a room and off when you leave and works with all types of light bulbs. Learn more at LutronSensors.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Coming to you today from Charlestown, Massachusetts, where another successful season of This Old House has wrapped up. In fact, season 35 to be exact, which has just started airing on PBS. So check your local listings for information on where it is in your neighborhood. And you can also listen to the team from This Old House each week on the Money Pit. We've got several years worth of segments online by cast member. Just visit MoneyPit.com and click on the radio and media tab to hear those. Joining us now once again is Norm Abram, who's been on this old house since the very first episode. Did you ever imagine 35 seasons ago you'd still be sitting here? Not in a million years, (laughs) really. I mean, it's just been a great ride. How was it that you got the call? I was building a house in Nantucket uh, for an architect that I had met a few years earlier. And one day he brought Russell Morash by the job site and said, you got to see this guy. He has the smallest scrap pile I've ever seen. <laughs> and Russ is like, yeah, sure. Yeah. So he brings Russ and Russ said, hmm, it was impressive. So Russ being, you know, one who likes to save things and not waste money, decided that uh, possibly there would be something in my future, I guess, because it was a short time after that while I was building a, a barn, actually part of what became the New Yankee Workshop, that he approached me and said, I'm thinking about doing a show about renovating houses. What do you think? And I'm like, I don't know what a TV producer does. I have no idea what you really do. <laughs> but uh, I'm just a guy know. with a hammer. You know, I, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of passed for a few weeks. And then he came back to me and he said, uh, well, why don't I take you over to the project? That was 1978. And the project was going to start in 79. The economy was terrible. 
He brings me over to the project, shows me the house, and says, you know, what do you think? And I said, eh, you know, I, I guess I could do this. And I thought I was being hired as a builder, not right. as TV talent. Right. So long story short, we start shooting the show. It was going to be 13 episodes. And one day, he tells the audio guy, put a mic on Abram. I'm like, what? <laughs> put a mic on. He said, what? I said, why? He said, well, you're going to go up there on the scaffolding. You're going to tell Bob Vila how, what went wrong, why it's all rotted out, how you're going to fix it, and why you think it's going to last longer. And I said, okay. So we went up there and did it. I was a nervous wreck. It yeah. was about 20 degrees out. I, was, I don't know if I was freezing or just shaking. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, that was sort of the beginning for me. And I, I learned real quickly that Russ wouldn't let anything go by unless he was making us look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the rest of it is history. That became sort of the model, and we've been doing it ever since. If I had to choose one reason for your success, it's the trust that you've earned with America. You know, That's, people trust you. They trust this old house. Right. They trust your expertise. They know you don't cut corners. And you're educational. And you're right. fun. Right. Well, the whole team. You know, you yeah. know our team. We're very passionate about what we do. We come from backgrounds that are in the trades and in the building industry. And we, uh, we're, we're happy to share our knowledge with uh, the folks who watch the show. And it's always nice when someone uh, says to us that they've learned something and uh, it helps them in their project. And, and finally, um, just recently, you got to present Russ Morash, the original producer with it, Lifetime Achievement Award. Lifetime Achievement Award. He is considered the creator of how-to television, and that couldn't be more true, from Julia yeah. Child right through this old house. And just think about it. Do you think there would be an HDTV or DIY network today if it hadn't been for Russ? I don't think so. I don't Absolutely think so. Absolutely not. And there wouldn't be this old house if it wasn't for Norm Abram. Norm, thank you so much for stopping by. You're welcome. It's a pleasure, always. Coming up next week on The Money Pit, have you been frustrated by a home that's drafty, but you can't quite figure out where the leaks are getting in? We're going to have tips on a tool that can locate leaks with pinpoint accuracy so they can be sealed and help save on your energy costs. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a body pit.